What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 130 of Land Parties from the Las Vegas Review Journal. This episode is brought to you by Blue Wire. I am your host, Lucas Egan, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Ryan Smith. Ryan, I know how your Saturday was, because we had a pretty yeah. fun Saturday night, but how was the rest of your weekend? It was good, dude. It was, it was uh, super chill. Again, uh, huge thanks. We were able to get out and and, and uh, attend the Mr. Beast and the Ultimate crown mr beast versus ninja uh, event which like lucas was saying it was it was absolutely uh amazing fun time great uh place to be able to network we got to connect with guests that we've had on the show that we physically haven't had to be uh, be able to meet so that was super cool being able to meet them in person uh the energy was great there like overall that was a ton of fun and then i had to take that break because last week was a grind work-wise for me so sunday i ended up i, I was really hoping to get Thor Love and Thunder and we're going to I think we're going to try maybe tonight as of recording um, but you know I, I'm not sure the girls leave here tomorrow for two weeks so solo dolo for the next two weeks I'm going to be playing video games till my eyes bleed and and that's about it <laughs> overall though great weekend how was it for you brother yeah, it was good. It was honestly, I kind of rested Sunday. Uh, like you said, Ryan, Saturday night was a lot of fun. Great event. Uh, shout out to the eSports Arena. That's always a fun place to hang out for a few hours. And let's hope we get more events like that. Like, like yeah. obviously the the creator uh, versus gamer kind of thing. Big names, obviously. Uh, a lot of fun for a good cause. I think in total they did $200,000 toward different charities. Uh, yeah. Both Ninjas and Mr. Beast's charities got in on the piece of the pie on that one. Uh, a little surprise that Mr. Beast won, to be honest. That was crazy, uh, dude. They, they mopped the floor with Ninja Team. That right? was crazy. Right? That, that Especially game two. That, that ended a lot quicker than you and I expected that was going to end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, a lot of fun. And I think this just kind of reaffirms that uh, Vegas is a fantastic spot to host events like this. Uh, and the rest of the year, Evo's right on its heels, and the yep. Game Awards on its heels later uh, this December. So the fun does not stop here, and uh, hopefully this is just the uh, first signs of more crazy events like this to happen. Yeah, the eSports Awards, right? Yes. Uh, this this uh, in December, yeah. Yeah, no, and, and and we've been talking about it for a while, just how this Vegas has completely positioned itself to be kind of that gaming hub for big events. Not only do you have the events, but then you've got all the entertainment and 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 cool stuff of Las Vegas as well that you can kind of mix in with everything else. So I am I am looking forward to seeing bigger and more events uh, coming this way. Speaking of bigger and more events we got some spicy news uh that that dropped here last week uh but uh eas has officially announced that e3 will be coming back next year i had made a prediction thinking that i don't know man maybe it's not going to but it is official and they've officially uh, announced that it will be happening and they are teaming up with the company called Repop, which brings a ton of the biggest 
uh, conventions out there. The Star Wars Celebration, uh, PAX, uh, I, I know PAX. Um, there's some other ones as well. I can't even think of it. But, dude, that, that has that has me super pumped uh, in terms of, because, number one, Reed Pop knows how to put on a, a good convention. So, and, and this is what we were saying, too. We we're, uh, you know, we we're talking about uh, the fact that if E3 comes back, they need to make some changes. They need to do do something different because I felt I felt like the last obviously uh, outside of the pandemic, the last couple of years before that, it, it felt a little flat. We had companies and, and that were that were bailing out of it, and not showing up to it. So, um, you know, it, it, it just kind of lost that that luster that i had and obviously we have summer game fest now and we and and a lot of companies are doing their own things so i'm really curious to see what they're gonna do to kick it up a notch when they come back i think uh personally you know and we've talked about this too e3 used to be more of a trade show than an open event thing so i would love to see them get more to that trade show feel Again, when you're at a trade show, that's where you get to do, you know, you're doing a lot of networking and talking directly with companies. Having it open to the public makes it a lot more difficult. I mean, obviously, it's not impossible, but it's just crowded with with just, you know, extra people and and things like that. And I get it, you know, opening it up to the public a little bit. But I, I would love to see it be a little more of a trade show and and kind of on the, on the heels of, uh, you know, we we're talking about the Star Wars celebration. I want it to be a celebration. I want it to be a celebration. But I didn't realize, too, until we didn't have it, how much I would actually miss E3. I was kind of like, uh, you know, it, it's whatever. But then I went, I remember this year, I was like, oh, I got to get my bingo card ready. Wait a second. No, I don't. There is no E3. So having an event like that where they are dropping them spicy bombs of, of and, and spicy nuggets of new games and things like that. And that excitement is a very different feel for me than, say, Summer Game Fest, which is over, you know, multiple months. And, and, and they seem to be almost like kind of one off little trade shows that are encompassed within it. It's almost like Summer Game Fest just slaps a sticker on it and says, you're a part of this, even though it, it's a little more disconnected. So I, I'm pumped, man. I, I, I'm really excited. It's going to be in L.A. again this year as well. So mm, maybe we'll be able to get out there. That'd be uh, absolutely amazing. What What are your thoughts, Lucas? Is this, this got you excited with that news? Yeah, it, you know what? It would be awesome if we go out there. Uh, note to our bosses, uh, mm-hmm. work trip. <laughs> uh, no, you, you know what? I, I think the decision to bring in Repop is, is a good decision. Because uh, like you said, Ryan, even before the pandemic, people were like, E3's dying. <laughs> like like mm-hmm. every year, they're just like, you know, myself included, saying, you know, this show is not what it once was. Uh, it's becoming less and less fun. Uh, and, and all that stuff, right? So they needed to make mm-hmm. some changes. Uh, one thing I am curious about is, is this just going to be like a, another pack show or how is this going to differentiate itself, right? Uh, right. I, don't, I don't want it to just be another PAX. Uh, I, I would like E3 to kind of carve out its own identity. So we'll see uh, how that happens. Obviously, uh, you know, with like Star Wars Celebration, we know Repop can do that uh, with different properties. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll be interested to see that. Um one thing that that's gonna be interesting is uh, so Summer Games Fest has said that they're gonna have some more in person stuff next year, but mm-hmm. they're more digital first with some in person. 
And I'm, I'm interested to see if is E3 going to go back to in person, but with just some digital stuff and see if there's a, a way for them to kind of carve out both lanes there. Uh, but those waters are getting even murkier right now. <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be interesting, right? Because since Summer Games Fest is new, relatively new, uh, it has not been around in a year where E3 has been back at like full strength with an in-person right. thing. So that's going to be fascinating to watch. Uh, if I had my wish list, uh, I would love like a couple days beforehand to be just media. Uh, for mm-hmm. A, it would help with content. We could all get our previews ready to go and, and not trying to rush it out uh, during actual E3 week. And then it would give the public time, you know, to kind of enjoy the show uh, without jostling with media and all that stuff. Uh, so right. I would love to see kind of that split uh, and it would save media people a lot of stress uh, too. But I'm excited. I, I think E3, we all have those memories of, of, of watching it <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, you know, like having your bingo cards and freaking out over the surprise announcements. Uh, <laughs> I, I just I just don't want this to be another PAX. That's my biggest worry. Yeah. And and they did announce, too, that it's going to be re- it will be returning as a hybrid uh, event next year. So there is going to be an online element along with the the in-person stuff, too. So I'm curious to see online because I felt like when we uh, was it 2021 uh, when they did the the online one, it that one kind of missed the mark a little bit for me. Um, it, it was still solid, but, uh, yeah, it just didn't, it, it didn't feel, you, you didn't have that same energy, um, and excitement, but again, not having it at all this year, I definitely felt that lack of the E3 presence. I thought maybe, you know, and I was kind of in that boat too, like, oh, you know, maybe they're on their way out, but I think they both can live in this space in that time period. The big thing to me, um, and and I think this is going to affect more, you know, uh, studios and things like that is what do they do? I don't know what the back end costs and, and what that stuff looks like, but will this then split? some of the the uh these studios and say you know what we're gonna do our big announcements in e3 or you know we're gonna save this stuff for game fest or shoot we're just gonna do our own thing i don't know so i think i I think a lot of this i I think it's success is going to be contingent on who shows up (laughs) yeah you know that that is fascinating because i think the the one advantage e3 has is because it's a shorter amount of time and you know Mm -hmm. it feels like more an event than summer games fest because summer games fest is spread out however Mm -hmm. uh we've seen obviously uh practically every major studio kind of dip their toes in the digital productions and so like you're saying ryan do they feel the need to box themselves into like the second week in june necessarily uh and and so the buy-in will be interesting because I'm sure there's going to be one or two studios that are like, well, if we wait, you know, we can have more of the spotlight to ourselves. Uh, I, I think, you know, if there, if there is a downside to E3 is that one announcement's great, but then another announcement being made and, and then all of a sudden the conversation shifts right away to that. So that balance is going to be pretty interesting to watch. Uh, and if companies are, are deciding uh, that they want more of a spotlight to themselves rather than sharing it for uh, like a week long event. 
Right, exactly. So we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm just stoked to see that it is officially coming back because I thought it might have been on its last leg, and I was like, this is not looking good for them. So uh, good on them. And they said it too before that. Yo, this is definitely coming back. So to see that they're they're already making that announcement this year, and and you know, we're that's a year of planning that they can do. They're bringing in Reed Pop, so hopefully they're able to kick it up a notch. I think that's what they need is is some fresh some fresh blood uh, uh some uh, a fresh perspective uh and and then moving forward from there i'm really excited to see uh you know what comes from it how they go about it and then you know again too if we're able to uh make our way out there i would love to go check it out uh in person if not there's still the the online stuff that's going right. on with it as well so regardless we're getting it back so it, it i'm glad personally to see that e3 will be coming back and to be honest, I didn't think they were coming back either. But speaking of things <laughs> that uh, we've been wrong about, <laughs> we, we also got uh, that that something else is indeed coming this year. And Ryan, we got a release date for God of War Ragnarok for November yeah. 9th, which I am just pleasantly surprised. I honestly did not think this was making it this year. Just didn't. Nope. <laughs> uh, to be fair, like this time period felt like the latest like, if we didn't get it now, then I was, like, for sure thinking we weren't going to get it this year. Uh, right. Super excited that it's coming out this winter. Uh, it's nice to have a big, another big AAA blockbuster title ready to go, uh, bucking the trend of, of all the other titles having to be delayed a little bit to next year. Uh, mm. And you know what? Like, right now, the market looks wide open for God of War to dominate sales-wise for a while. Because... Uh, mm. Uh, the competition, obviously, with Starfield, especially not there anymore, uh, looks right. great. I'm actually surprised that God of War didn't take the 11-11 date. <laughs> right. I think that's a missed opportunity. <laughs> but mm-hmm. obviously, God of War, the 2018 game, was amazing and loved by a lot of people. This game looks super awesome. I can't wait to dive back into the world. And uh, for people who still don't have a PS5, uh, like myself, it is coming out for PS4 too. So you're not left out in the cold either, which is kind of nice. Yeah, and this is the last game that will be out for both PS4 and PS5, which is also encouraging. That means developers don't have to worry about... you know, creating because, you know, when you're building like that, then you have to you have to start with the lowest and then scale up to the highest. So I imagine that's really going to help development teams on not having to fiddle around with that and just focusing on the next gen consoles. But yeah, like you're saying, I mean, this this announcement is huge. Here's the thing, though, folks, just because they announced a date, what have <laughs> we learned does not mean a thing. It does not mean a thing. However, this would be this is a huge opportunity for them with the with the field cleared, like you're saying, and, and a lot of uh, these these games being pushed uh, to next year. A lot of these uh, uh, anticipated 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 games being pushed to next year. I feel that this, if this does come out in November, this could potentially clear the path for it to be game of the year. Again, the, the, I mean, the, the biggest contender to me that stands out would be Elden Ring. Other than that, I, I feel like it would be almost a shoe. And of course, if they, if they nailed the story and, and the game's solid, um, you know, it, it would be there. there. We don't know how that will go. But again, I'm still not quite holding my breath 
yet just because we have been bamboozled before and and you know for me we're what we're in july now and we still haven't seen really much gameplay from this at all and and to me that's a little concerning we we see we've seen we got another cinematic you know we've seen cinematics and 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 a little bit of uh, gameplay but not enough for me to be like all right this game is definitely coming out they are they are pumped and ready to go on this so we'll see maybe they were just throwing a date on it and and they're going to do it but again i i feel like they this is a great this would be a, a missed opportunity not for this not to drop this year so i'm hoping i am hoping i'm keeping my fingers crossed there is something that that was a little concerning to me um, when, when, when it comes down to, cause they also announced like the collector's editions uh-huh. and dude, one of the biggest things to me, it comes with a steel book, but a <laughs> digital download for the game. The game physically is not in the steel book. That makes zero sense to me. If you buy the game, just, just normally you'll get a disc, you can get a disc, but with the collectors, and I think it's the, the, the biggest one. Um, the the most expensive one, the one that has the steel book, it does not come with a physical game. So that to me is really weird. You're just paying for a steel book, uh, but you have no disc for the steel book. <laughs> it's like what is what is that all about? <laughs> doesn't make doesn't make any sense, right? Dude, that and as somebody that actually still likes collecting physical discs, dude, mm-hmm. bothers me to no end. Like why? why in mm-hmm. like the, the top end bundle that you're putting together, would you be like, yes, here's the steel book. Yeah. Do you really need the disc to go with it? Like, like what? You don't need it. You don't need that thing. That's, that's insane to me, man. That is insane to me. I don't, I don't even care. know. I don't even know the reason. I don't even know why they would <laughs> think that's, that's a good idea. I honestly don't. Well, that's a, I know. Well, and, and you know, that kind of that brings me to, to something else very quickly is kind of like uh, I saw Ubisoft is uh, they're discontinuing uh, a, a few different games um, that have only I know that uh, uh, Assassin's Creed uh, Liberation is getting discontinued. Here's the crazy part. The people that purchase the game will no longer be able to play that game. That is absolutely insane. And again, that is one of the biggest, I I, I think, proponents to actually having a physical disc is that fear of either a studio shutting down or something going away. And then this game that you've purchased and and paid full price is no longer usable. I don't I'm curious to see how that works. That doesn't seem like how can they do that? How can they do something like that? It doesn't make sense to me. I don't know. Yeah, that is that is, and it's a very valid concern, right? I know that there's a lot of conveniences, obviously, to to digital, but uh, the long term ownership of a game is is something that uh, I don't think we've ever gotten a clear answer for. <laughs> and, right? Uh, it just stinks. It stinks right now, honestly. Like like you said, I I would hate to have a game that you bought and you want to go back to it at, at like some random date in the future and realize you can't. Like that mm, doesn't that sit would right. Be- yeah, that would be very upsetting. Not only that, but you, I, I've paid money to be able to play this game. Now you're telling me that I can't play this game. Well, I'd like my money back, please. <laughs> I would like, I would like that. I would like twenty dollars back, please, on that for for you know whatever. I I don't know, but but I, I'm I'm kind of going on a tangent there. 
this, I, I am pumped for this. If this does come out, and I know that they've been hard at work and they've been doing this for a while. And it made sense that it's also going to be on PS4 because the development of this game started a while back. So PS4 was still very relevant in there. Um, but I'm, I am glad that they are, that this is going to be the last one that they'll be doing that kind of dual drop and they'll be able to move forward with just focusing on these next gen consoles and developing for them. So we, we are, we are, I feel like we are on the cusp of kind of like that transitionary period. Again, we're still having, there's still a lack of both consoles being out in the wild. Although I feel like PlayStation is suffering a little more uh, than Xbox. It's crazy to me to think that, um, that Xbox is outselling PlayStation in Japan where PlayStations are made. Right. I mean, that's, that's insane to me. It is. Um, <laughs> but here we are. That that is that's that's what it is. That's what's happening right now. So hopefully they've got a plan to be able to get more of these things out into the wild. Hopefully we are going to and and here come November 9th, you will not see me because I'm gonna be knee deep uh just smashing smashing things up as as Kratos. So uh <laughs> I, I will say if this actually does come out on the 9th uh my november is already accounted for between god of war and the new pokemon games like mm. I, like in my mind that's like the perfect one two contrast yeah. to go with so i just need that yep yep yeah don't talk to me in november <laughs> yeah yeah exactly it's like we will, we will be unavailable uh but it, you know it, it was nice to see that they actually threw a date on it and that kind of I, I felt like that kind of brought people's anxiety down a little bit as in terms of it again that doesn't mean that it's guaranteed but at least they were confident enough to be able to go out and say hey this is the date that is coming out so i'm gonna assume that it is gonna come out on november 9th which means that here in the next couple months we should be seeing a lot more on this game as we get closer to that release date uh to, to be able to hype it up that is going to be the true test if, if things kind of lay low Leading up to it, it's like, mm, I'm going to be waiting for a, a delay announcement and not <laughs> not that drop. So we shall see uh, how it is. But, uh, yeah, you know what? Let's take a quick commercial break. And on the back end, we are sitting down with Julie Elvin. Uh, she is absolutely amazing. It's an absolutely amazing interview. We'll be right back, y'all. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for listening to those short messages. And now comes the real fun part of the episode. Uh, and this is a guest that I've been super excited uh, to have on. You know, we've been working at it, finding a date and matching time zones because uh, she's out there in Germany and, and we are not close time wise. <laughs> but <laughs> we are super honored to be joined by Julie Elvin. You might remember her from performing uh, off of the, the Horizon soundtrack at the Game Awards. She's also uh, done work for World of Warcraft, League of Legends, and a host of other projects. Julie, how are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I've just finished recording for a beautiful video soundtrack, uh, video game soundtrack. So um, it's really, really nice to talk to you guys. I've been really looking forward to it. <laughs> 
Us too, us too. And, I, I, you know, I kind of want to start at the beginning because I was doing some research and it sounded like you had a very varied musical background, both uh, playing different instruments. And mm-hmm. if, if I read correctly, maybe even have been in, in an emo punk band for a little bit. Uh, <laughs> can you, can yeah, you talk so- about how you kind of got started and what led you more toward uh, the to focus on on the vocal side of things? Yeah, so I started out always loving music a lot. I I didn't grow up in a musician or artist um, family, but my mom um, absolutely loved to just sing around the house randomly. So me and my two sisters, we just kind of grew up thinking that it's very normal to just sing um, Mm -hmm. in the house, like without judgment, without it needing to sound good. And I also learned to play the violin and the piano. And then when I was a teenager, I started also to compose my first like little pieces that already sounded um, a bit soundtrack-like. So I always loved this kind of genre. And um, yeah, so then I um, discovered recording software (laughs) in college. And I was studying to be a speech therapist. So that is someone who helps people to... um, um, if they if they have voice problems, for example, if their voice gets hoarse all the time uh, from speaking or um, singers who get hoarse or little kids who can't speak, the S or R sounds, something like this. So I was studying that. But on the side, I was so fascinated by recording software. And so I started to um, at first record my own compositions with uh, my piano and then like layered violin over it and then sang to it. Mm-hmm. And um, so I um, put that up on YouTube and SoundCloud and there was like a very small, very cozy little following there <laughs> for a few <laughs> years. And then at one point, a film composer um, heard my music and he asked me if I wanted to sing on one of his tracks. Um, it was like an epic music track. And that track got kind of uh, well known in the epic music community. Um, so I was very lucky that that happened. And from then on, um, like this composer referred me to other composers who were working on soundtracks and epic music. And this is how it all started. That is so. So you didn't have any kind of let's like formal, formal training. It was just you kind of jumping in and, and, you know, something that you already did, or did you go through any kind of training as you got a little older and were like, you know, I'm really liking this. This might be something I want to do uh, for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so for violin and piano, for example, I went through formal training. So I had many mm. years of lessons, which I'm very, very grateful for um, that my parents allowed me to do that. Yeah. And um, But with, with singing, it's always been kind of a self-taught thing. So I had, um, I, I was singing in a choir um, for a mm-hmm. few years. And I also had, I think, one year of singing lessons um, as a teenager. But this very like cinematic singing is very different to, for example, pop singing or to mm-hmm. classical singing. So it's something else. It's somewhere in between. And you kind of have to discover this for yourself, I feel. So that's what I that's what I did. And I think it was actually a bit lucky that I didn't have too much of a formal training there because this allowed me to kind of develop my own sound. Yeah. So, for example, in classical singing, people don't like when your voice is very breathy (laughs) and my (laughs) voice is very breathy and it's kind of my signature thing. So my classical singing teacher was so fed up with me after one lesson. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I kind of developed my own um, style. When did uh, video game music kind of start to come on your radar? Oh, so I always loved the soundtracks too. For example, when I was a teenager, I loved to play um, Tony Hawk, the skateboard guy. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I always loved the music in the background. But at that point, I don't think I realized that actual musicians were behind it. Mm -hmm. um, I knew that about film music. So I was a big film music fan and I knew that there are different composers writing the music. But in video games, it never um, occurred to me that Of course, there has to be someone writing the music um, up until the point where I got involved in the soundtrack industry. And that's when I realized that there's like huge orchestras recording for um, video games and different soloists, um, vocalists, instrumentalists. Yeah, I think it's just a very beautiful, vibrant world. Totally agree. You know, when you're when you start to work on a game, obviously, mm -hmm. you know, you, you've worked on a variety of them. Uh, from League to WoW to Horizon, different mm -hmm. scopes there, you know, different tones. How much do you know ahead of time, excuse me, what kind of direction are they giving you about what sound they're going for and how does that kind of affect your performance? So that's very different from project to project, actually. So, for example, in Horizon, um, one of the composers I worked with most was Joris de Maan. Um, he's a Dutch composer living in Brighton in the UK, and we um, worked together remotely. And he always gave me a lot of freedom to just express what I thought Aloy was about. So I tried to give her like um, a lot of strength, obviously, but also a little bit of like the vulnerability and her heart. So um, like a bit of a more breathy vocal, but also the strength of the chest voice, <laughs> if we mm -hmm. if we go to like technical terms. And there's other, so that was a lot of freedom always. Um, and then there's other projects where it's like a very exact vision of the composer that I interpret. So it kind of depends. And mm. oftentimes also I don't see a lot of the um, in-game footage, for example, until um, I've already recorded something. <laughs> But I think that's also oftentimes the beauty of the soundtrack music because it's so... I don't know if you know this, guys, but um, if you just listen to a soundtrack but you don't know the game yet, you can mm -hmm. still kind of feel the emotion that the game might right. be about or the character. Yes. So this really helps me if I don't have a lot of material um, to start with, um, that I can just kind of really dive into the music and feel what it might be about. And of course, I, I get a lot of background info um, from the composers or the development team. That also helps. <laughs> yeah. So is that is that what it is? I mean, just just taking taking that feeling from what you're hearing and and the background information that mm -hmm. you're you're getting, and then that's really what's kind of driving you then mm -hmm. uh, on what the vocals are going to be. Because I mean, I, I think you nailed it when you said that, uh, especially with the, say like a like a Aloy's theme. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's all it's just it's it's just that that very angelic. And and that that feeling and I feel like it really encompasses, you know, she's not it's not really utilizing her words, you're, but you're mm -hmm. getting the feelings almost that like subconscious of her from that music. And it, it, that's interesting that you say the less information that you get um, is better for you. I would figure that they're kind of laying out. Here's everything that's going on. Here's how you, you know, uh, but they leave that more that interpretation up to you. 
Um, so it kind of depends. Of course, it's good to have more info than less. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> if, if I don't have a lot of info or material, um, then I just trust in just diving into the music and also, of course, what the composer tells me. So they will also tell me um, how they feel the music should be portrayed. Um, mm -hmm. but, but yes, so... Oftentimes, for example, in Aloy's theme, if we take that example, I don't sing lyrics. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. kind of like, um, it's called vocalization. So you convey the emotion of the music um, primarily through the voice itself. So the voice kind of becomes like an instrument. Um, right. It's not about the lyrics that tell you what's going on. It's more um, that you kind of just feel the full emotion through, through the vocal interpretation itself. And I... I really love that. I, I feel it's very nice to kind of be like an instrument in a soundtrack um, in this way. Yeah. And you, and, and you also did so. And you had a sense of her, too, because you also worked on uh, the first one as well. So yeah. how did that kind of play into and, and just, I guess, her her story going from kind of this outcast to mm. very much, you know, hey, I know who I am. I, I'm very much. I, I'm heading towards a particular point instead of just kind of mm -hmm. uh, going around. How did that influence you when when uh, working on the project? Oh, that's that's a really cool and interesting question. Um, I I felt like, as you said in the first game, the focus was very much on her journey from being an outcast to finding some kind of. Um, identity in this very strange world that she grew mm -hmm. up in, and so my voice was way more on the breathy and vulnerable side, because it was um. a lot about her inner journey and finding out about her past and how she got there. And then in the second part, without putting any spoilers, <laughs> I think we can, we can agree that she's way more like confident um, in her identity and who she is. And also I feel the second game is more about the, the general things that are happening in this world and less on her inner journey. Mm -hmm. So in the second game, I had way more like chest voice, so more of a stronger voice. But at one point, Aloy also has to realize, I think, that she can't do everything alone, that she can't be just hyper independent and do her thing all the time. Right. So I try to also bring that little bit of vulnerability back with the more like breathiness and a bit of, I don't know, a bit of heart <laughs> and not just like <laughs> powering through. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but I think Aloy is just a very fascinating character. Yeah, love her. <laughs> yeah. Has there been a project that you worked on that you would, you would say was was the most challenging? Oh, that's that's a good question. Um, so what has been the most challenging for me actually is is always like it happens very rarely, but when I get um, a cold or when I get sick. Mm. That is really hard when you have deadlines coming up because on the one hand, you have to preserve your voice and you don't mm -hmm. want to um, damage it in any way. And on the other hand, the deadline is waiting for you and the whole team is kind of dependent on you getting things done. So th that is that is really challenging. <laughs> Thankfully, <laughs> uh, in the past, everything worked out so far. Um, and I, I also don't get cold so often. So <laughs> that's good. But whenever <laughs> there's like a deadline with like 14 tracks you have to do for a soundtrack and then you get a cold, it's in the story it's like no pressure but please get this done <laughs> and and in terms of like overcoming an inner 
I, I don't know, like finding courage. It's it's been, for example, singing at the Game Awards. Um, because I'm I'm more of a studio person. I, <laughs> I I I learned to be a performer and now I really, really love it. And just having this moment of courage to be like, yes, I'm gonna perform there and I'm gonna have the courage. That was that was a lot and I'm so proud of doing that because didn't always come natural naturally to me um, to be a performer. Um, so yeah, in terms of like inner challenge of of believing in yourself, that was definitely a big one. Yeah, but I'm I'm glad everything went well, <laughs> and it was such a nice moment. And of Keely organized everything so beautifully. Oh my god! <laughs> I was gonna say that performance was was spectacular, and just Thank just the you. whole you know. To having them going back to having a live audience there too, uh, yeah. like that whole show, I, I felt was there was a lot of pent up demand as, as we mm -hmm. kind of got back to to normal, if you want to call it that. Uh, how did that come about? Did he reach out to you? And uh, you know, obviously the reaction was amazing. Did you did you like hop on social media to see what people were saying right away? <laughs> or did you kind of just like just, just soak in the moment and, and just kind of let it come later? So I, after the performance, I ran back to my dressing room, which was next to Imagine Dragons and Sting's dressing room, by the way. It was very insane. <laughs> oh, also, just, just a quick side note. I ran past Imagine Dragons, like two of them, and I didn't recognize them. And I thought they're like the... Um, assistance of Imagine Dragons because they were standing in front of their door and the assistants were standing in front of the doors of the performers. So I, I just didn't recognize them. If you see like two of them, um, it's, right. it's, it's very different than seeing the group as a whole. Yep. So I just ran past them and I was like, hi guys. <laughs> in my red dress and just ran past them like after my rehearsals. And then like my assistant was like, did you know this is Imagine Dragons? <laughs> <laughs> yeah so sorry i got a bit sidetracked i really wanted to tell the story but um back to back to the original question oh yeah um so i went back after the performance i went back to the dressing room and i immediately messaged my family as the first thing mm -hmm. and then I also got on, on social media and I saw a lot of like incoming notifications and Twitter did this thing where it's like, this is a lot of notifications, something along those lines. Like, what do they ask you? Like, do they, do you want to limit them or that there's, oh. there's a question that comes, I, I think like people who have a huge following get that a lot, but for me it was like, boom, <laughs> all of a sudden. What's this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was. It was such a beautiful moment to to um, be on stage with uh, Lauren Balf, who um, he was the one conducting. Um, he's a very well-known film and video game composer, and I've been such a huge fan of his for years. So to perform with him and then also with um, Peter Eustache, um, the flute player, who everyone referenced, mm -hmm. like the one with the cool Afro hair, <laughs> <laughs> who played very passionately and so well. And, oh. So um, he, he is actually uh, one of Hans Zimmer's uh, flutists. Um, Hans Zimmer is this oh. uh, amazing film composer. Yes. So uh, just meeting Pedro there and I didn't know that he was going to perform with me. So I was just on, on stage rehearsing and then Pedro came there and 
he was like, who are you? And I was like, I'm Julie, you are Pedro. <laughs> so, that was that was just incredible. And I will always cherish these memories. And of course, with the amazing Game Awards Orchestra. Um, yeah, they were great. That's awesome. And and you said too, and, and we don't have to get into it, that you're working on um some other some other games um mm-hmm. as well. What is it what is it exactly about uh just working on video game soundtracks that really draws you in or has you coming back? Is it just uh, the variety or uh, you know, I'll I'll let you explain. <laughs> so I am um, just to preface this, I really also love working on film soundtracks, documentary mm-hmm. scores, all of that, um, production music. But the special thing about video game music, I feel, is that the, the community of um, video game composers and musicians is very tight knit. It's mm-hmm. kind of like a very small, tight knit, awesome community. And I also feel video game music is extremely innovative. So um, there's a lot of new approaches that are being taken that you haven't heard anywhere else. And that's what I really, really love about this industry in particular. And now I'm also getting more involved with like the game dev side of things. So I'm mm. more networking also with game developers. <laughs> but that's yeah. kind of that's kind of a new development because I feel oftentimes like the the musician side and the game dev side are a bit like separate circles. At least that's mm-hmm. how I experience it. But it's so nice to just see how how everyone is so involved in this interactive medium. Yeah, and I also really love um, that it's very interactive so that the music oftentimes, it reacts to what you're doing in the game. And I think that's so cool when you look at the music implementation, the audio implementation, that's just mind boggling to me um, how that's possible. I was going to say, I think we've talked about that before too. That's something that's so unique about uh, uh, music and video games is that the music can literally drive a game without it. There's just a a piece of its soul that is missing. So the, the ability to utilize not only uh, music, uh, but sound uh, vocals to help tell the story. It it is, it is in itself a character within these games as well. And people connect with this stuff. These are things, I mean, there's soundtracks and, and even little bleep blops of, of games, old school games that are completely ingrained in my mind because it was such a big part of it. Yeah. I mean, everyone knows the Tetris theme. Everyone right, knows the right. Super Mario theme. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, it's it's also so cool um as a as a musician to then play the game that you're in and or to watch um let's plays on YouTube, for example, and then mm-hmm. To see how, I mean, just the concept of a gamer being there and it's kind of like co-creating a story, right? Because mm-hmm. every gamer will go about the game in a different way. So it's not set like a film that you watch um, a bit more passively, maybe. But it's like the music and the gameplay is coming together with the player doing their own thing. Yeah, just a beautiful world. Absolutely. And of course, you know, working on, on some of these projects... Uh, that are huge, right? Like League of Legends, WoW, Horizon, they're not just hits, they're they're mega hits in their own rights. Mm. Uh, 
d- d- that's got to, I, I would imagine, be rewarding because you know that millions upon millions of gamers are going to hear your work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I also, without knowing <clears throat> exactly how early in the process you were in, in some of those franchises, does that add any extra pressure in your mind when you know you're working on a project that, that you think is going to be a hit? Oh, absolutely. Like, absolutely. If it, for example, with the League of Legends theme, uh, like the, I, I sang the two Star Guardian themes in 2017 and 2019. Mm-hmm. So just knowing that it's going to be the Star Guardian theme and it's going to be on the login screen music and everything. It put a lot of pressure, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but for, for example, for the World of Warcraft one, uh, so um, the League of Legends themes, they were composed by Eduard Brenneisen. Um, by the way, he's an amazing composer in LA. Um, and then on the um, World of Warcraft Anduin's theme that I sang, actually the composer, Neil Acree, he didn't tell me beforehand what kind of video game it was for. So that was actually good, I feel, because I just sang it without the added pressure <laughs> and then mm-hmm. in the end he was like by the way uh this is for world of warcraft lead <laughs> so um that that was a lot to kind of process but i was really thankful to him for not telling me beforehand because that was back in i sang that i recorded that in 2015 so i was like a soundtrack baby i had mm-hmm. just begun uh, singing for video games uh, in 2014. So it was actually good, I think, that he didn't tell me what it was for yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's also such an incredible composer. Yeah, very grateful. And speaking of, of famous names in, in the, the music industry there, a couple of years ago you were working on uh, with, with uh, James Newton Howard's European tour, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was a vocalist for his European tour, that was crazy because um, so um, James Newton Howard. So <laughs> just just a quick um, side note. So people have always been telling me that I would need to be in LA to get my name out there to do soundtrack work, and I'm I'm in Europe and I'm very much a European soul. So mm-hmm. I always wanted to just find a way, and also I feel it's there is a beauty and like a globalized um musician community so i i really love la <laughs> i love being there but also um just the thought that from anywhere in the world you can become a musician for soundtracks it, it's kind of like something very close to my heart and um so when when james newton howard announced that he was um doing an audition for his european tour it felt like a very big chance because like a big opportunity because it was specifically for european singers so uh, thousands of uh, people applied <laughs> for mm-hmm. for the auditions and um i i just applied too and i didn't didn't like believe that it's going to happen but in the end um he picked me for his vienna concert and just to sing, I, I mean, you guys know the Hunger Games soundtrack? Um, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like the Hanging Tree theme. Um, are you, are you coming to the tree? Like the song, I think everyone knows it. It was on the radio <laughs> in that year. And just to be able to sing this with him and an orchestra and a choir, it was very surreal. And just imagine like 
I, I started out just with my voice and then more mm -hmm. and more the choir singers would come in so that it would be like a unified experience. Yes. Just like in the scene where um, like the, the rebellious movement kind of um, grows and then more and more people step in. That's the scene in the, in the movie. And so the choir singers did that. They joined me more and more and the orchestra joined more and more. So it was overwhelmingly beautiful. To experience that, um, yeah, but also very overwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you auditioned with? Did you audition with the Hanging Tree? Yeah, yeah. So mm. I made like an a cappella cover with like several. I I just tracked my voice. I think twenty times over oh, each other, yeah. and then I kind of made my own voice um, chime in more and more. Um, like mm -hmm. like a little choir arrangement just with ooh, <laughs> just with my with my own voice yeah and then just being there and meeting James and performing with him it was so nice and he's such a humble person really kind guy um, I really loved it so you so I mean you definitely too it sounds like you've got experience uh, just with the uh, kind of sound like not necessarily like sound engineering but like just things and, and technology and tools mm -hmm. that you can utilize in sound and music. Mm -hmm. um, let me ask you if there, if there was who, who would you say uh, would be like a dream collaboration uh, to work with? Oh, there's a lot of people. <laughs> so, oh, there's so much amazing talent. Oh, so much amazing talent. Um, so someone I would really, really love to collaborate with is Aina Selvig uh, from the band Vardruna. This kind mm -hmm. of Viking sound. Uh, and I'm just a huge fan and I would love to collaborate with him one day. Maybe, of course, that's like a big dream. And then, um, of course, Hans Zimmer, um, to collaborate with him um, personally. I mean, yes. I, I sang for his, um, for his, um, scoring company last year for a BBC mm -hmm. soundtrack. So that was kind of like indirectly <laughs> working, right. with his, working with his composers in the company, uh, which was also a beautiful experience, but like working with him directly would be a big dream. Lisa Gerard, um, the amazing vocalist from the Gladia Gladiator soundtrack. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you know the theme, like, now we are free. Mm -hmm. Yes. So just to talk to her or collaborate would, of course, be such an honor. But there's there, the thing is, there's so many also new emerging talent that is yeah. just incredible. So I can't really just name one person. Jessica Curry, amazing um, soundtrack composer. Ah, too many people <laughs> to, <laughs> to, to name. One of my um, favorite composers um, is James Horner. He did the Avatar soundtrack, mm -hmm. um, but he's dead. So he died in a plane crash. So there's not a chance to collaborate with him anymore, right. but he really, um, he really uh, influenced my, my path in soundtrack music. It, it would be pretty cool. We know that they're, they're making... Uh, bajillion avatar sequels here so it would be, yeah. would be pretty cool that to get on one of them yeah that of course that would be such a dream <laughs> right it would be amazing yeah you know what one thing i always wonder you were talking before about how uh the the community and in, in the kind of music community is, is supportive and, and close-knit i think for people starting out that can both be encouraging but mm -hmm. a little intimidating right because i think there's, there's mm -hmm. always that idea of 
how am I ever even supposed to break in if, you know, there's this tight community yeah. there, you know, what's my yeah. way in? If, if you're talking to somebody that's, that's up and coming, what would your advice be to taking those first steps toward establishing the right relationships? So I, I think it's so important when you, I mean, back in the day, <laughs> okay, that sounds like it was many, 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 many years ago. But like when I, when I started out, I would have really loved um, to have kind of some form of mentor or someone who could help me with the first steps because yeah. I think I also made a lot of mistakes just trying things out <laughs> in the right. first like two or three years but I I make it a point now because I experienced that I, I really make it a point now to um, help people who message me who say like hey I want to become a musician or a vocalist in this industry do you have any tips I I think it's so cool and important to help each other out and I also had some people um, in the beginning who gave me a lot of very good advice. Um, one of them was Tina Guo. She's an amazing cellist. Um, she's also playing a lot for Hans Zimmer on his soundtracks. And she really gave me some really good advice when I needed it um, in my first year of singing on soundtracks. And um, so I think my my current advice, I mean, it's ever changing, right? So Every, every year you discover something new. But my current advice for a vocalist would be to start by recording yourself and recording yourself in the genre that the composers are looking for or the game developers are looking for. So a very like cinematic sound. And then kind of build a network bit by bit. So if you know one person, it's very easy that then you you know a few more because they connect you with someone else. And I would also say to just start out to sing on small projects of um, also upcoming composers who also don't have a lot of experience yet and then uh, kind of build a portfolio from there. And I feel networking is it's a very strange term because it's more about connecting in an honest and authentic way with people. Mm -hmm. And I feel that really takes time. So I don't know. I don't think it works to just send out a lot of uh, emails being like, hi, I'm a vocalist. Right. Do you want to hire me? <laughs> I don't think that will, well, at least for me, I don't think it would work. <laughs> but for example, uh, Tina Guo, uh, the cellist I mentioned earlier, um, she had the, I, I hope I'm remembering this correctly, how she said it, but I really love that. It's like the dangling carrot method. <laughs> mm -hmm. So bear with me. So it's like you you have a dangling carrot. And so you don't want to, that, that's kind of your music. And what you don't want to do is take the carrot and like shove it in people's faces and be like, hey, you want to like get the carrot um, uh, <laughs> because that can sound a bit desperate. But instead you work on making the carrot as shiny as possible so that then like the rabbits who are the composers and the game developers then mm -hmm. um, look at the carrot from afar and they're like, hmm, that's a really shiny, cool carrot. So should we take a look at it? So that's kind of how, how um, you can start to get the ball rolling. I hope... I hope I got the analogy right that she told. I'm just um, paraphrasing here. It makes sense to me. It yeah. It makes sense to you. Good, to good. It made a lot of sense to me when I heard that. And it has always been how I approached the whole like networking thing. Uh, I, I was just curious about you guys, how you see this topic. I mean, I, I would agree with you that, that networking I view as... as uh, it has to be more than, than one person just asking something of the other person. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, there has to be like like an actual acquaintanceship, at least, you know, mm-hmm. uh, ideally it develops into a friendship down the road, but there has to be something there beyond, hi, you know, I'm Lucas, can you do mm-hmm. this for me? Okay, bye. <laughs> like, yeah. like there, there has to be some more give and take there. Yeah, that's how I feel about that, too. It's like it and for anything, especially when networking, it's more about, hey, here's what here's what I can do for you or or how, you know, oh, you've you've got this thing. Uh, I I could do this. Uh, Maybe I can help you out or whatever. It's never just a, hey, you you know, what what can you do for me? Or I'm Mm -hmm. I'm looking to get into this. It's more about what can I do for you? How can I help you out? Mm -hmm. And then like Lucas was saying, you start building a relationship you start uh mm-hmm. knowing more about the people and, and and being able to work together i feel it's definitely a, a more organic way of networking rather than just being in your face Here, here's my stuff take it do something with mm-hmm. it uh you know like that uh like you were saying the 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 carrot and just shoving it in people's faces like look mm-hmm. you know i got this nice little polished up carrot it's pretty over there oh yeah i can help you with it you want a bite go ahead nice mm-hmm that's 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 good um i just i just remembered that um actually i think uh, for example um for i i did a tomb raider album project with the original tomb raider composer peter connelly Mm -hmm. who is also such an amazing talented composer and i think we started connecting over facebook because he sometimes posted photos of his i think backyard or garden and i'm a big plant fan and i just love Mm. nature so we would kind of bond over that and i didn't have anything else in mind i was just like oh that's a beautiful backyard (laughs) (laughs) so i i think that's how we initially bonded it would be interesting to ask him like how it was for him but um yeah, I, I think that's also the beauty of, of it when it's like an organic connection and an honest connection. Okay, I, I do have to know now. I, I just I just want to make sure here because uh, so when, when you were young, younger uh, mm-hmm. in, in school and whatnot, did, did you were you in like a, a team band? Like like a, like a little emo-ish kind of a thing. So, I'm I'm a big metalhead. You uh-huh. won't think that of me at first, maybe. Um, but for example, last year I sang for a metal band and was in their music video. Um, mm-hmm. So just privately, my playlists consist of like soundtrack music, heavy metal. And then also like bachata and kisamba music because I'm a dancer, uh, like as a hobby. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a wild mix of things. <laughs> but, but so um, I've, I've just always been drawn to the extremes of music. So like the very soft side of orchestral music, but then the intensity of metal. I feel yeah. it's both very emotional. And so it's not a... Um, how do you say? It's, it's not that big of a contrast for me in my mind. Because it's okay. both very um, emotionally evocative and very intense in its own way. So yes, as a teenager, I I was a huge fan of Evanescence and Avril Lavigne and um, a lot of different metal bands, and I sang in a like school rock band, and mm. I would like color my the tips of my hair black and wear all the like smeared black eyeliner that Avril Lavigne did. <laughs> I mean, Avril, <laughs> Avril Lavigne is not metal. <laughs> But, but Evanescence, you, you you get the vibe. Like I had the studded belts and the like, yeah, I wanted to be tough. <laughs> but yeah. um, but my, my voice was not there yet because I was like 15 or something and I didn't have any vocal technique <laughs> to back it up. 
So I, I got a like a vocal cord problem through it and yeah so oh, that no. was not too glorious back in the day <laughs> but, I, I mean i i just love heavy metal um ah uh, it's i just love it and, and i promise you i was asking that to lead somewhere uh, oh. was, was there was there ever a thought uh like or or the uh desire to like go the the band route at any stage in your career was that something that you ever seriously considered uh trying to, to start up a, a band like that so as a teenager i really wanted to have a band and i kind of experimented to be a rock or metal singer then i wanted to be a pop singer then i wanted to be a jazz singer <laughs> so it was because <laughs> I, I didn't know really this genre of cinematic music yet so yeah um but after that phase and i discovered cinematic music again i'm i'm more of a studio person i kind of like being in the background kind of doing the singing elvish themes kind of thing or like epic orc battles uh, war chants or <laughs> something <laughs> yes. uh, just in my in my in the comfort of my studio but um i i've become a performer in the last few years for example with orchestras um so I really love that. From the metal bands I know, and I, I know a fair amount of people who are in metal bands um, and are like living that lifestyle. I think mm -hmm. it would be, I, I mean, I just respect it so much because you kind of have to have very solid vocal technique to get through every single day. And then mm -hmm. when you have a tour, you have a concert every single night and you're in a different place every single night. And you don't sleep a lot in the tour bus and things like this. Right. So I don't think this life would be for me. I, I really respect that um, in, my, in my colleagues who do that. Uh, it's just so admirable. I don't think my voice could do it. And also my, like, I, I kind of need harmony in my life. I kind of need like a stable uh, routine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because music is so unpredictable. So I, I, I kind of like being a bit of, leading a bit of a grandma lifestyle, you know, like watering my plants, <laughs> going bachata dancing, and then just like enjoying the life in a, in a bit more of a slow living kind of way. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So I don't think the band lifestyle would be for me, but I really admire it. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that too, because that's what I was thinking that that juxtaposition of, of mm -hmm. like heavy metal and, and harder rock uh, with such light vocals is always been very intriguing to me. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, that, I mean, like instantly, you know, when I when I hear your voice, I was like, oh, that'd be great with uh, this or that. I'm, I'm over here uh, uh, <laughs> making up things and stuff. Just like, oh, I'd love to hear this. <laughs> nice, nice. I, I can link my like metal collaboration from last year, if you like. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. I'd love to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I've, I've got to, uh, I've got to ask, uh, one last, obviously mm -hmm. we've all been, uh, the last couple of years have been, um, mm -hmm. really crazy for everybody. Mm -hmm. I'm just yeah. wondering how, what kind of an impact did it have on you? I know that you, you, you know, you're saying that you're, um, do a lot of stuff in the, in the studio and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So what kind of impact, uh, has it had on you for work and just, uh, mm -hmm. uh being able to work on things? Um, so, um, I think I can speak for us all that it's been some pretty crazy years, it's been insane, I think, for every single one, and especially also musicians and creatives. In in terms of the singing work, I was really lucky, honestly, because 
um, I have this studio here in my home and I, I built everything in a way that I can remote record. And I've been doing that for a long time because again, I'm here in Munich, Germany. So mm -hmm. I, I'm typically singing for different um, soundtracks in Los Angeles, London, like different, different places around the world. So I was kind of like my studio was already there when the pandemic started. And mm -hmm. also I was extremely lucky to work in video game music because I feel out of all the fields of music that were there, video game music recovered the quickest um, because video games were still being made. I mean, there was some right. delay and some difficulties, mm -hmm. of course. But still, um, for example, films couldn't be filmed because the actors couldn't be on set and stuff like that. And I felt with right. video games, it still kind of worked out. At least um, the Horizon team still continued to make Horizon Forbidden West. Um, so I, I, I think I was just extremely lucky to have my own studio and to know how to remote record and also to be in video games. Um, so actually my work got more in 2020 and 2021. Mm. Um, also, I feel because so many people were at home gaming. Um, I don't know if that had an impact. Um, but of course, in the beginning of 2020, um, it was a bit heartbreaking because um, my like little tour with um, an orchestra in Holland was canceled that I was so looking forward to. Ah. Um, so that was canceled. And also I should have recorded at Air Studios in London as a soloist um, for a beautiful video game. And it's always been one of my dreams to sing in Abbey Road or Air Studios in London. Yeah. Um, so I was so hyped for that opportunity and then it got canceled last minute because it was in March ah. 2020. So that was a bit hard to get over but also I know that I'm so lucky <laughs> that I got more recording work then and that I could just live life almost as before as a musician. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I, I know a lot of orchestral colleagues or band colleagues who didn't have work for the whole year of 2020. And then in 2021, things were difficult still. And yeah, so I, I don't know how it was on your side, like on your end of things it what i mean for us we we've been we've been working from home uh for last what has it been like two and a half years now wow. uh mm -hmm. so yeah i mean a lot of the stuff that i'm doing you know is is basically doing it all remote um yeah. so it didn't and and kind of like uh kind of like you're saying like my workload increased exponentially uh mm. when it all oh. when we when everybody went locked down and and this and that so it's just it's crazy depending on what industry or what you're doing. Some people, you know, were out of work while others just had work piled on them. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. But again, kind of like you're saying too, I was already positioned to be able to, I already have equipment and stuff like that to be able to do things mm -hmm. remotely. So being able to make that transition was minimal for me. Ah, uh, okay. Mm -hmm. And, and for luckily, you, Lucas? on my side of things, I didn't need much. Uh, mm -hmm. This is a computer and feel thing. So, Going nice. to work from home was was easy. I had uh, this extra room, luckily, that I could kind of set up shop in. Uh, mm -hmm. And and you know, I, I think I can safely speak for most people at, at the RJs. We we were very lucky. Uh, Vegas being a tourist town, the mm -hmm. strip was hit super hard for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, so we were mm -hmm. we were in, in in a very lucky position to to be where wow. we're at. Wow! Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, something to be very grateful for. In these insane times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. 
last thing, Julie, where, where, what are you working on? What do you got? I know that you're probably working on some projects that you can't talk about, yeah. but is there anything that you can talk about? <laughs> oh God, that's, huh. <laughs> so the, the ones I'm working on. So there's like also a lot of like smaller indie projects and uh, production music albums, just different, different things. One really, really, really big project <laughs> that is going to come out in a few years. Um, that is like my biggest one yet, but I can't speak about it. <laughs> um, but um, in terms that. of like, maybe I can say some something I worked on recently was um, a, um, it, it was two, I think two, yes, two themes for RuneScape. Yeah, it was it was really nice um, because I've I've sung for them before, but that was in I think 2018 or something, so many years ago. And now to come back and to work with um, the amazing composer Julian Surma um, there mm-hmm. um, at Jagex um, in UK, and yeah, it, it was it was really cool um, to sing for them. Other than that, I can't really say a lot. I mean, Horizon Forbidden West, of course, came out. <laughs> I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that was already in February. Uh, it's always so hard because um, you you sign a lot of NDAs and then you have right. to wait for years ma- most of the time to talk about things. Yeah, but lots of exciting stuff in the pipeline. Uh, very grateful. <laughs> yes, we cannot we cannot wait. Uh, tell us where can where can folks uh, find you on the interwebs? Uh, find and and check out your music. Uh, Late on us. Oh um, yeah, so I'm on. Uh, on all the the socials <laughs> so um if you just type in julie elvin or julie elvin music then you can find me on twitter instagram facebook oh, let me think uh, soundcloud even youtube <laughs> mm-hmm. i have a website <laughs> um spotify of course um yeah excellent Thank you. Thank you again, Julie, so much for yes. taking the time and and so jibber jabbing with us, uh, the music and everything that you do. Uh, again, it it uh, is greatly appreciated on oh, our end from God. our standpoint. Um, and it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. It's been so nice. Like this talk has been so lovely. Thank you so much. I'm normally always so nervous with interviews. I'm like the most nervous <laughs> interview interviewee. <laughs> but with you guys, it was just a blast. It was such a pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks again, Julie. That was a fascinating interview on, on yes. a side of, of the industry, Ryan, that I know we haven't gotten a chance to, to talk to many people uh, with in the vocal the vocal side of things. I think that mm-hmm. was really fascinating. Uh, and she's got a bright, bright future ahead of her. And I can't wait to see those projects that she kept teasing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we look forward to having her back on to talk about those, those exciting new projects. Uh, but right. Like I said, you know, it, it's funny that, that I feel like we've said this before that music's kind of getting its due in video games. Uh, yeah. and it, it's amazing to think that, that like, while you're playing a game like horizon, uh, the vocals maybe aren't like forefront in the moment, but they they add so much to the emotion and the epic scale of that game that uh, they're just critically important. Absolutely. And we talked about it during the interview too, just that cinematic uh, feel 
for it. It brings a whole different level to these games. It brings emotions. And and Julia talked about, uh, you know, she doesn't actually say any words. She's it's just all all vocal. Uh, you know, her voice basically she is turning and using as an instrument within it, and it really in, encapsulates uh, just that feel and kind of that inner inner feeling of of Aloy and what's going on in the story. So. I, I, I will always have an appreciation for that. I love music and just what she's doing. We were talking to, you know, she, she uh, loves metal and, and rock. Um, I, I didn't say anything to her at the time, but I was totally thinking like when I heard it, she's got such an angelic voice. It totally reminded me of something like, a uh, uh, oh, why am I forgetting? Evanescence or, Ooh, yes. you know, something like I love that juxtaposition of a very he- heavy, heavy instrumentation with this very angelic and, and soothing voice. Just something about that always draws me in. So check out her music too. Uh, we'll, we'll make sure we drop her. She's got, she's on YouTube. She's on uh, SoundCloud. She's on basically all the platforms. Uh, again, thank you so much, Julie, for coming on. And thank you guys uh, so much for joining us. Lucas, what do you got going on this weekend, my friend? Uh, jumping back into gaming. Going to hit it hard. Yeah. Uh, not, yeah, I have no idea what I'm going to play. I'm, I'm kind of kind of wanting to try something new, but I, I have no idea what that's going to be. But mm-hmm. uh, it's been too long. I, I am tempted to try and jump back into League of Legends, although that- <laughs> I stink at it so much that it's rarely fun for me. But but like the stuff like like the Mr. Beast and Ninja stuff inspires me for that brief moment. What about you? It's funny because you're not the only person. Uh, my buddy Fight that's on Inferno. He he got some games in this weekend <laughs> as well. He's like, I'm back on it. But yeah, I was like, man, that, that definitely made me feel like even though I've never played the game I, or I, I might have played it like years ago like once or twice uh but nothing serious but i'm like oh maybe i'll take a look at it but then i always remember like mobas they if i don't i i am not a very patient video gamer <laughs> so mobas like I, I i try not to feed but i'm just sitting there and then, and then i feel bad because i'm making a team lose i'm like i don't want any part of this i'm good um for me though i'm chill like i said the girls are out of town so i am i've, I've got iron banner in uh destiny 2 that season there's about month left on on the season for that uh i actually picked up a project uh project zomboid uh which is a kind of a survival top-down game uh very interesting i I played a little bit of it uh the other day and it is hard uh so i'm hoping to find some friends that also have that game and we can go in and survive together but other than that man i'm I'm just gonna be keeping it chill so should be a good weekend we hope you guys have a good weekend thank you again so much for listening don't forget hit us up on the tweeters at land parties pod at lucas egan or at smitty 2447 thank you guys again so much for listening thank you so much again for listening i cannot talk today for some reason don't forget to vote for (laughs) us at the podcast awards yes (laughs) go vote the the check check the uh uh on our twitters uh there's a link and everything like that uh uh, to to the uh, uh, section to be able to go vote. We appreciate your guys' support. Thank you again, and you know what it is. We love your faces. Let's, 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 let's.